everybody. Uh, welcome, welcome back. Thank you for coming back to um, the Creative Mentor Podcast with me, your host and mentor, Lauren. Uh, we're we're in uh, what is this? Week two, week two of the month. We're gonna try to go through a whole theme for the month. Last week, we just had our intros um, so that you could vet me as your source. You should always be vetting the people who are offering you advice. Um, Just as a quick reminder, I'm not trying to do any get-rich-quick shit. I'm just a frustrated creative who went to art school that that school didn't set me up for success, and I'm furious about it. So I'm making this for you. And because I don't want you to be like me. I don't want you to have to fumble around your career just because no one could answer your simple questions in school, which was what my experience was. Granted, I graduated college in 2013, so I'm almost a 30-year-old millennial. But hopefully, no matter who you are, whether you're fresh out of school or you're trying to pivot your career or you just kind of want to hear what somebody else in your field has to say, that's exactly what this podcast is for. And today we're going to kind of talk a little bit about um, how to make being a quote-unquote creative lucrative, which is pretty subjective, like most creative things. So kind of exploring what does that mean, because it, it will be different for different people. Like for me, for example, being a successful creative and being lucrative within cre- being a creative, for me that means Um, fulfilling my societal obligation to be able to pay for my rent and bills by being creative and not needing to do labor, I guess, in a traditional sense. I didn't want to work in customer service, even though I'm really good at it. And (laughs) I didn't want to work retail or food or any other industry. I wanted to be on design software all day long, I wanted to think about campaigns and ads. I would watch TV with my mom and be like, this commercial was dumb or this commercial was smart. And so I knew I had a knack for all of that. And I wanted to explore that because I live in a capitalistic society and you probably do too. And navigating being a creative in capitalism is tricky. And there will be a whole other podcast about that later. But that's what I define success for me. And not everybody's going to have that same definition. And so exploring that question is super valuable. What does that mean to be successful in being a creative? Some people, that means starting their own small business. And what's really exciting about this day and age, pandemic aside, um, is that there are more opportunities now than ever to create a little small business for yourself. You have Etsy, you have eBay, you have Threadless, you have Printful, you have all of these solutions to where you don't have to do everything someone running a business has to do by yourself. And you don't have to employ a bunch of employees. You can, you can grow to be all of that. You could start a streetwear business, you could start a clothing brand, you could do a bunch of stuff that's super compelling and interesting to you that isn't working for somebody else. But also if you're like me and you like a little bit of stability because you were a little wild before, (laughs) that's totally fine too. And that's not selling out. And I think a lot of people either worry about that or get made fun of for it or are looked down upon for it. But wanting to work 
in an in-house team for a creative firm or for a brand is stable. You go to an office every day, you work with the same people every day, and you make content for the same brand every day. That's totally fine. And there's actually a lot of value in that because people who hire agencies, at least in the world of advertising, which I will default to all the time, um, they don't know the brand like an in-house team does who works there day in, day out, year in, year out. And if you're working on an in-house team, you probably have some marketing insights that drives your design decision making. And that's successful for some people too. Most people I know who have families love working in-house because it's what they know and it keeps them stable and they don't have to run around and find contracts. But that could also be your thing too. I was like that before where you're running around and you're just trying contract work for this brand or this thing. Maybe you were making packaging for like health food and then you went and did a little bit of web design for like a pharmaceutical company and then maybe you did some production work for like golf packaging for a sports brand there's all sorts of stuff you could do with contract work what makes being a creative lucrative to you lucrative people think that means money but lucrative I think means how do you want to spend your time because whether you like it or not We work eight-hour days. Whether you're working your own job, you're probably working more, or you're working a a 40-hour-a-week grind, or you're just trying to get your foot off the ground being a small business owner, we are working all of the time. And as creatives, being a creative person is kind of like an extension of your right hand or dominant hand, whatever you want to do. And I don't think we can help it, to be honest. I think if you're a tried and true creative and you went to art school, you know you were meant to do that level of work all the time. And you know that you are meant to be this. And so the question isn't more so who am I and what am I doing? The question is more so how do I fit who I am into the society that I live in? That's kind of a deep question. And so I think that there are a lot of things around that question that we become too busy to sit and wonder about it because you have to make your rent, you have to pay your bill, you have student debt you have to deal with and oh my God, what does that even mean? And you're now paying taxes for the first time as a worker fresh out of school. What the hell is happening? Where's the time to sit in your room and doodle like you were doing in school Because the stakes are different. And when the stakes change, the questions change. But sometimes it all happens so fast you don't even notice. And I think that that happens to a lot of us. So I think exploring that question, what makes being a creative lucrative, is super valuable. And and why do you want to do this? That's another question that comes up a lot. Um... Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to be a creative who works for somebody? What does that mean to you? When I was a freelancer bebopping around, I got to talk to a lot of people who were doing the same thing I was doing, like kind of ping-ponging. And listening to their perspectives was really interesting because I would hear a lot more often than not, I don't even know if I want to do this. I don't even know if I want to do graphic design. I don't even know if I want to do you know, packaging and production work and burp, 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 which is totally fine. But it's, it's a heartbreaking question to hear sometimes as a fellow creative because 
it sounds like they don't enjoy something that brought them joy before. And that sucks. And I don't want that to happen to us. So I think sitting with that question is really important. And I think it's really unfortunate that um, a lot of people's art school experience doesn't ask them that. Um, If you remember from some rant some other time I had... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was really frustrated with my art school experience because I didn't have anybody who was a teacher who could answer this for me. Why did they want to be a teacher? What were they doing before? Were they being a teacher because they had to have some stability and need some money or something? If that was their uh, motive, then what value did that bring to me? And we get back to this word value a lot. And value, I think, is associated a lot with money. But I think when it comes to being a creative, that can be a more abstract word for us. What is the value of this for you? What is the value of slaving away at your small business 60 hours a week because you just, you love making stickers about little woodland animals and you know other people love it too. So you're going to do this because you love it and you know other people will. And like, what is the value of working 60 hours a week if the return is working on what you love? And I think, honestly, I think tattoo artists are a really good example of this because with the rise of social media and their like misfitted, quote unquote, like history and the prejudice against their profession and the people who enjoy their profession. This is coming from someone who's pretty heavily tattooed, by the way. Um... I think that they're a very interesting group to look at and they're a very interesting industry to uh, mirror as creatives because with the rise of social media, they can showcase their portfolios and their work and they can gather um, clients that way to come to the shop. It's it's a lot like hairdressers too. They're very similar in, in their business model. And for those people, like I know tattoo artists who work all fucking night man and they charge what they charge and they put all this work and thought and and manage their books and have relationships with other shops and other artists and learn from each other and I don't think we as non-tattoo artists but creatives are any different and I think tattoo artists have had to go through a trial and tribulation to always have that answer what makes being a creative lucrative all this time, all this pain, all this work, all this blood, sweat, and tears. Like, I I don't think business professionals are put through something like that. And when you put creatives in a business professional world, whether you're a small business owner, you work in-house, you work for an agency or contractor, there's not there's no trial by fire really other than trying the job. And trying jobs is scary. Trying jobs is scary. Like, okay, I'm going to go through this painful ass process of applying online, going through interviews, getting a job, and then I get there and hate it and I feel like I can't quit because I just got here and it was so hard and I don't want to do this again. It's like Tinder. You don't want to start dating over again because it's such a crapshoot. So I, I think there's a lot of value in asking this question and exploring this question. And I think you'll do yourself a great service in sitting with that question for a little bit. So we've talked about the figurative 
what does being lucrative mean as a creative? Let's let's get literal now. Let's start talking dollars and cents here. And I'm going to have a much more in-depth podcast down the line about this. But just to give you sort of an example here, there's actual money to be made in in the creative industry. And I feel like also while you are at art school, people don't tell you that. So you go out into the job force, the workforce, and you are undervalued like crazy. This happened to me. Granted, when I got out into the workforce, it was about 2013, 2014. I lived in Richmond, Virginia at the time. And um, I the minimum wage at the time, I believe, was $7.25. I don't know what it is today. Um, but I got a $10 an hour job being a graphic designer at a local trophy shop where I would lay text on plaques all day. And then I eventually uh, graduated. I'm not going to say promoted because I wasn't promoted. Um, I graduated to running the screen printing t-shirt shop side of things for this business. At 22, I essentially co-created an entire department with no prior experience in this like mom and pop shop. And I was later um, downsized. We'll get into that story some other time. But I made, when I left that place, ten fifty an hour. And if you're making ten fifty an hour, you could also just go be a cashier somewhere and not have to think so much and stress so much and talk to people so much and answer emails so much and also design so much. But um, that is where this phrase, I don't remember where I heard it, probably on TikTok, my favorite place to exist on the planet. I love that app. Make fun of me all you want, but it's, it's bananas. Um, <laughs> but, um, act your wage was, uh, a phrase I wish I had in my mind sooner because when I think back to that time, and this is something I think a lot of us do. Um, I was trying to prove that I deserved the job that I had. And that is not something we should be thinking about. If you have your job, you earned your job. You got hired. You know, you're experienced and you've earned the job. You don't need as a creative to pop onto the job scene and then prove to your job you deserve your job. And I think that is just something we all do. I've watched it happen. I've done it. So I've tried to set a lot of boundaries and justify my boundaries to myself to not feel quote unquote bad about it, uh, which is a little bit ridiculous that we feel bad about it. But it, it is the truth. And so working my $10 an hour job, um, I don't really know how I survived. I was living in like a $500 apartment and like that's kind of not a thing that happens anymore. So I don't know how people do it. And when I lived in Los Angeles, I was paid $13 an hour to do designer tags for like Juicy Couture and Christian Siriano. $13 an hour I was paid for those huge names and, and being entrusted with their brand for their fashion labels to go with their branding and their garments. That's stupid. I was paid nothing and it sucks. And it's because I didn't know any better. And I bet you a lot of you don't know any better either because it wasn't until like three years ago I learned how much everybody got to make. So I'm going to go over it a little bit. So um, there's going to be, a, I think I said it before, there's going to be a whole podcast about the salary guide 
And essentially what that is, is there's a bunch of um, temp agencies across the country that have data pools where they know how much every uh, creative job title is paid based on the experience per the title. So they put all that information together every year along with creative job trends and what companies were looking for, what positions are on the rise so that you can get experience or certified in them to maybe give yourself a little bit of a pay increase and things like that. So this thing is like a Bible for us if you define being a successful creative as um, money driven, which happens to be me. So um, but essentially it's just broken down into a couple of simple things and we'll dive into this deeper, much deeper later, but essentially there are four percentiles to consider. There's the 25th percentile, which means you're baby at it. You're brand new. So you could be a 25th percentile creative director. So you need a lot of experience in the workforce to be a creative director. But if you're like a fresh promotion, that should be your base salary you go at the 25 percentile so is there 25th the 50th the 75th which you should be like a senior something in your title at 75th and then 95th that's when you should be moving over to directorial president whatever so 95th is the most experienced you can be in your job title before either a promotion or you have a bajillion dollars so um for example If you're a graphic designer fresh out of school or you're applying to graphic design jobs, you might be a sculpture major straight out of school. That was me. You would be in the 25th percentile because you probably haven't really had a graphics job before. And this applies to anything. Photography, um, creative writers, uh, project managers, studio managers, 3D animators. This applies to all of us. Um... So like fresh out the gate, your base salary will be defined as whatever the industry is. And then let's say you're a graphic designer with like three or four years experience. You're not new, but you're not senior. You would be in the 50th percentile. So if you've been working a job for a while, you would be asking in this range for your raise. Hey, I haven't gotten a raise in a while. This is the industry standard. These are the things I bring to the table. D-D-D-D. We'll get into negotiating raises in a whole other podcast. I got you. And then the 75th percentile for my kind of example is, okay, I'm not a junior graphic designer. I'm just a graphic designer. But I want to be a senior graphic designer. That's where you walk into the 75th percentile. And that should be the percentile that you're in when you just get promoted and then let's say you're a senior for a year two, maybe three couple of years of senior under your belt you're preparing to become a director of some kind in the creative field that you're in that's when you fall into the 95th percentile and these are all really important figures and percentiles to understand because that is how you know one if you're being paid fairly within your range two If you need to grab the balls to ask for a raise, kind of where to start. And three, it's just good to know and see updated every year. One, if your position is kind of dying, I keep counting. 
your position might not be as desirable or oversaturated. It'll also also kind of give you a better sense of if you're thinking about pivoting, maybe you were a graphic designer and you've been doing a lot of motion work just because your job called for it suddenly and you learned on that job how to do that. Maybe you want to go full title to like motion graphics. It, it'll give you a good sense of what that leap could look like for you. So this whole guide, the salary guide, it comes out every year, kind of around the end of the year, which also is like budgeting territory for companies. And I'll get more into that when we talk about salaries, because also the timing in which you ask for a raise, if you're in a company and you're a contractor, all that stuff, there's a certain sweet spot you can hit. That's not when everyone's being reviewed by their boss, but when everyone's looking for money for the next year and asking for justification of their budget. And that's the best time to strike because you're going to be asking for more of that budget to pay for you. And if you catch them at a time where they can actually quantify that, then you're probably going to get what you want. So that's how all of this kind of works. But just to read some titles for you, there's there's different... Um, chunks I guess you have design production which is creative directors art directors creative service managers account managers these are all people that we need in the creative field even if they're not actually making things they're managing all the things that we're making um, and then you have design and production so that goes kind of more into like advertising stuff or packaging things or animation or 3D modeling and retouching all of these sorts of things and then you have what else do we have we have a lot of design production titles oh we have digital Digital's a big thing um, I feel like even though to me it seems pretty obvious a lot of design would be more digital based the industry is still shifting to that. So you'll still see things for print, but digital is is king. So if you're fresh out of school and you think you're going to be a printmaker and go into um, advertising of some sort or a production in that way, that's a pretty old school field to be looking for. So you might have to get a little more creative with your search. That doesn't mean it's not out there. But um, a lot of people are looking for digital savviness I guess is what I'm trying to say so UX and UI designers are hot tickets right now so if you can get yourself into a UX course and you find that interesting first of all um, you'll be sitting pretty there because they're paid pretty up there compared to the most to compared to most titles and and we'll get into what titles are and what they mean and what real titles are and what fake titles are and figurative titles. These are all the real things in like corporate design that um, can leverage your pay, your idea of success, and um, kind of your measurement through your career as you age. Because as someone who is hitting 30 soon, I keep saying it, um, <laughs> this is something that's more on my mind because I'm not a young gun anymore, but I'm not like an old school dog yet either. And there's this sweet spot in these checkpoints I need to be cognizant of and see if that aligns with my goals. And that's important. And that's also kind of what this really awesome salary guide helps me do every year. So when it comes out, it's a nice time to check in with myself and see what I'm trying to do for the next year to achieve um 
so let's see what else we got in here. We have creative development management. These are content strategists. These are content managers. These are people who are managing websites, but not necessarily building them. These are people who are building out calendars of content and strategy to ask designers for said content. You know, all of these people need to work together to keep everything moving and watch the trends and see all that stuff. And it all sounds very complicated, but this is also why I say that there is a myth that there is no money to be made in a creative industry. Because I don't think people think about the fact that like we need project managers to help when marketing is like, hey, creative people, we need this, this, this. We need a video. We need a toolkit. We need a social blah, blah, blah. We need an Instagram filter. We need to come up with the hashtag. And like you can't just tell all that to a designer. Their head will explode. You need a project manager to divvy up all of that work to understand how long it takes somebody like me to make it and then to delegate it out and have it all come together at the right time. So there's a lot of, there's a lot going on in here that I, I don't know if you're aware. I wasn't aware until pretty recently in the last few years. So um, yeah, this thing has a bunch of, there's media buyers, media planners, SEO specialists, which means search engine optimization. So how Google finds you, somebody writes that. And all of this being said is another thing I think a lot of green designers um, don't quite understand because literally nobody tells you um, is you most likely will not have a job where you actually just have one title. You will always wear multiple hats. If someone says that you won't, they're lying. <laughs> and I think a lot of green designers get frustrated with that. And I get it. I would be too if someone was like, it's going to be like this. It's going to be like this. It's going to be like this. And then you get there and it's not like that. Fuck off. That sucks. So um, looking at these salary guides and kind of seeing how many jobs that you actually do because like I'm a graphic designer but at my job I'm also a creative content strategist. I'm also a creative director when I tell the photography studio what my photography needs to look like. I'm a project manager at times because I manage really large projects by myself and I need a lot of people to help me and I need to keep them in order while my project manager is keeping me in order. And so when you kind of look at all of that, that's how you can frame your justification to move into a higher percentile. Because if I'm just a green graphic designer, I'm probably not being trusted with a lot of that responsibility right off the bat. But when we move forward to the 50th percentile, I'm all of a sudden managing other people while someone's managing me for the manager. You know what I mean? So... That's kind of where all of these tools come in to help you. And so, and and that's just the base stuff. That's not even when we get into like, okay, uh, do you work in the state of Connecticut? Well, do you work in Hartford, Connecticut? Because whatever those base salaries at those percentiles are, you should be earning 17% higher than that. And like, that's cool as hell. So also if you're looking to like move and you want to follow the money, this is a great place to think about where to go. That's why that's how I ended up in Chicago, to be honest. We are paid 25% more than the national average of any creative job on here. And I was just like, hell yes, our taxes here suck though, because it is a sketchy city. I mean, the mob built it, but whatever. 
I'm sitting pretty. I live downtown. The Sears Tower is right outside my window. Humble brag. (laughs) So I just want you to know that after you define what being lucrative means to you, whether that's experience, whether that's building your own path, whether that's reconciling your line of being creative and working for somebody else or working for a brand, then applying the money to that situation because that's going to be what sets you up the most for comfort. And when you are comfortable as a creative, you branch out and you become more creative on your own. And so I just want to make sure that all of that's out there for you. And that kind of just in general concludes all the points I wanted to make about um, this question. And I encourage you to sit with this question. And even if you have been doing this a little while like me, I think it's a good time when everyone's making New Year's resolutions or to pick a time every year to just sit down with yourself and reevaluate that question. Because I think another thing we all really worry about is waking up one day and realizing we hate what we're doing. (laughs) So I encourage you to sit with that and check in with that and think about that because I think you're just going to be a much more happier creative for it. Um, So those are all my thoughts for this week and um, I just want to remind you all that um, there is a Patreon for this podcast. Um, I'm not trying to pitch you a sales pitch or anything because whatever references I have in here uh, I will not put a paywall up for you. I will post those links there for free. You can browse them at your leisure. You you can do whatever you want Um, but I do have premium content for those who are interested and sometimes I cover so much stuff that it's kind of difficult to like go back and find. So I do make PDFs that you can download as reference materials as one of the tiers that you can participate in. Um, But essentially, I just want the Patreon to be a place where we all hang out. We're a creative support group for each other and we can check in with each other because I say this all the time. I'm not going to have all of the answers. Other people will know more about other things than me. And I want to learn from you just as much as you're learning from me. That's kind of the whole point of this thing. So go check out the Patreon, see if it's somewhere you want to hang out, see if it has the helpful resources for you, and just, you know, hang out, check it out. It's a cool place to be. I'm trying to build something for us here because I'm really sick and tired of the solo act we all seem to do. And when you find other creatives, they're like, man, I wish I knew all this sooner. I'm trying to prevent this. I'm putting this out here for free for anyone who needs it. But check out the Patreon if you just want to congregate see what we're all talking about that's where we're all hanging out um and until next week let's see what are we going to talk about next week get ready because we're going to talk about agency versus in-house freelance work we're going to define the differences for that and talk a little bit more about what that means and if that's something for you and we'll talk about it we'll we'll get there so um i hope to see you all next week and until then i hope you have a wonderful evening so goodbye